Hey, welcome back to the show. This is Ryan. And Jose. And today we are following up on last week's conversation about God. And uh, this is basically a part two, if you will, but we want to dive more into the experience of God and then we'll round it out with the revelation that God is a trinity. Okay, three persons with one nature. We're going to get into all of that today. But first, how do you feel? Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Really, really grateful. Yeah. I'm blessed, brother. Exactly. You're blessed. Now, it's pretty hot in this room. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> we, we turned the AC off because it's so loud and we didn't want it to record on the mic, but we're right. <laughs> hot. And so it is still hot weather. I hope that you're able to stay cool if, if uh, that's been a problem for you. So without further ado, let's just jump right into the topic. So the again, the first part of this is really talking about the experience of God. And so my question, Jose, how do you experience God? When did you first feel like you experienced God? Or is this an ongoing thing? <laughs> well, um, I guess uh, going to the retreat that I went to was the real first time that I felt like I did because I had never experienced anything like that, um, knowing and uh, knowing that there's other people that are there to help you go, go through it too. Um, I guess that's something that a lot of people don't get to go through because they don't want to go through it. I guess, I guess recently, like five years ago, and like I tell you before, I, I didn't have that much faith in church. So mm -hmm. um, for me, it's been about five years, I guess. Yeah. So for me, I have a hard time saying when, you know, when did I first experience God? And I think that if I really look back, it kind of all comes to about when I was 15 and I started to be open to the idea that this whole church thing is legit. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand, right? So God always existed, you know, before time, outside of our universe, creates our universe in time, right? And, and then sends his only son, Jesus Christ, into, the, into this existence. And he creates a church, and through that church, we come to know the revelation of God, which helps bring certitude to our knowledge, right? The the things, the religious and moral truths that we can know through the light of reason alone that we were talking about on the last episode, the church helps make us certain of those things, right? That this, this is the truth of the matter. And um, so I think it always does kind of go hand in hand that your experience of the church really does help you experience God. And so... Um, that's why I always encourage people like, okay, well, if you want to be Catholic and, or at least know what Catholics believe, start going to RCA and learn, learn about what we, we believe. Cause it's almost like by doing the thing, you'll, you'll learn right. more about I gotcha. it. I'm, right. I'm understanding what you're saying. But so then with you, it was when you were young or when you were, yeah, I think I was like 15. Yeah. I'm so jealous. So that's why I tell you, I didn't yeah. experience it at an early age. We went through so many things growing up. So. I've yeah. got plenty to say as far as bad experiences, <laughs> but you know, suffering. Yeah, lots of suffering. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. But I'm I'm here, so I'm I survived. You're a great example that God, no matter where you are in life, God is there. He's He's going to pull you out of it, or He's going to be there to show you the way. And and sometimes I think even for me, like I'm glad God 
grabbed me when he did because I would I'd be in such a bad place. I mean, I without getting into details, I mean, my childhood, I lived for myself, you know, and I did only what I wanted to do to gratify myself. And this went on until, yeah, it was about 14, 15, found Jesus, came to the church and started learning about this morality business. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I got you. But you Talk know, about existential crisis. I, I wasn't a bad kid. I just, we just didn't go to church. Mom always kept us kind of straight about things and yeah, it wasn't. I'm sure she was getting it from somewhere, but she just always told us to treat everybody good. Yeah. You want to get treated well yourself, you know. But other than that, I mean, I wish I would have known years ago. Well, I remember when I was in eighth grade, um, my mom, my mom, who she deserves like uh, an award, you know, or something. Right. But this poor lady put up with me for so many years, and she had sent me to. Uh, confirmation class and I didn't want to go I was in eighth grade I hated it and, right and I remember that father or Monsignor Bill Young this this priest I mentioned in the first episode he he's a great guy but he would teach the confirmation class himself and I was bored out of my mind and I, and that Wednesday night was primetime television, okay? The, <laughs> Smallville was on yeah, back then, the you. Superman, Superman show. <laughs> and I was totally into that show until confirmation started. But then he was trying to teach you about the real Superman. Yeah, no, it wasn't working. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and so I was totally tilted on this. And and um, and and so I remember having this argument with my mom. And I was like, you know what? What if the Bible was written just like Harry Potter? Big deal. It happened. It's a big. It's a big, you know, piece of work. Right, 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 right. And my poor mother didn't have an answer. You know, <laughs> just like you were saying, how you they don't have an answer to your for your kids. It's true. I mean, so many of us just don't have these answers. And I was just, and I was just making this stuff up on the fly, like, cause why Harry Potter? Cause when I was growing up, it was always coming out. That's was the new thing, and. And so I thought I was being all smart. And so she just sat there and said, well, you know what? I don't have an answer for you, but you're going to church and you're going to find out. You know? right. And I was like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so I picked up my things and went to church, kept going through it. And it was through retreat experiences. So you said you came to God on a retreat. It was, that was for me, too. It was through a retreat experience back in 2003 uh, that I really began to praise God for the first time. I saw a friend of mine doing it, so I decided to do it too. Something felt really good about it. There was something to this thing. Now I was now open to the idea that God is a good God, that Jesus right. is real, that all this stuff um, has meaning. Life has more meaning than my my lower appetites, which at that time, I don't know, I was 14. You use your imagination. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> and you know, like us growing up, me and my sister's, we were, I'm going to say we were poor. So, you know, a lot of times mom was at work, a day job and a night job. So it, I guess it was kind of hard for her to have us going to church and have to deal with, hey, are they going to get to church? I don't know what, what her reasoning was, but she did keep us straight a lot of times. So I don't know where uh, my sisters are at this point. I know one of my sisters, she's really into church, but not the Catholic church. But it's not a bad thing. It's just that I know she believes in God, of course. Now, my other two, I don't know where they're at. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, my sister, I uh, love her to death. Um, she left the church a while ago for mm -hmm. 
to find, I guess, truth in, in herself and landed eventually back into the Methodist church, which is actually the church that my father goes to. You know, gotcha. so there's a there's kind of a family history there with that. So I appreciate, of course, that she and I get to have a conversations about theology, about faith. And I, I cherish that even though she used to be Catholic, I am just so grateful that she still believes in God and Jesus and that we can have these conversations. And I think that really at the end of the day, we all try, I'm not saying leave the church for for a faith that makes more sense to you. No, really wrestle with Catholicism. If you struggle with it, wrestle with it because it's better to have that struggle I think, than to leave it for something easier. The history of the church, which is an episode for another time, really stems, the Catholic Church comes right out of the ministry of Christ. Along the ways, obviously there's there's divisions and there's a lot of breaking points, but it's a lot more complicated than we make it out to be. People tend to think, oh, okay, the Christians have been around for 2,000 years, Catholics were first, and then they got everything wrong in about the 1500s, and then Protestants got it right, and now that's the end of history. Right. <laughs> and you're like, and now we have non-denominations. Okay, hold up. <laughs> there's like, first off, there's like 40,000 Protestant denominations, all right? <laughs> so, like, that's one thing in its own self, but what about the Eastern Orthodox churches? What right. about the, you know, the Great Schisms back, the Great Schism, which was back, you know, a thousand years ago? What about the arguments you know, I mean, there's there's so much history. There's so many breaks and heresies and divisions. and But it's all off the play of our Catholic faith, isn't it? It's right. Like I mean, the Catholic faith right, is always kind of like the tree trunk, right, of the church, right? It's the thing that has always been. And then deviations from it, people cut themselves off of the tree. Right. I mean, right, that's, I of course, you. how we see it. Now, you know, a Protestant would see it differently. But, but, uh, but when you really look into the history, this is what you find out, right? Martin Luther was Catholic. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, our... so <laughs> the John Calvin, again, I mean, he was a Catholic, and then he left, right? So this isn't any mystery. This isn't something we don't know. Um, but anyways, we're kind of getting off, off yeah, topic. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> so the idea is talking about the experience of God, and we were saying that for me as early when I was 15, for Jose, it was about five years ago. Uh, but both kind of surrounded by retreat experiences, and that's why we really do believe that in our ministries now that retreats are so important because there are times to break away from the world and think about the higher things, which is God. And uh, when I teach about God's existence, I'll focus on the head knowledge of it, which is what we talked about in the last episode. But when I talk about his experience, I always like to point to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Now, this is where we talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit come from Isaiah. I'm not going to talk about those uh, today, but just talk about the fruits. Now, I'm going to quote from the Dewey Rames, uh, 1899 <laughs> American Gee, edition. Where did you get that? Okay, <laughs> look. <laughs> it's public domain scripture. Was it written or was it <laughs> chiseled? <laughs> chiseled. <laughs> Here's the quote, and it's from Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is charity, joy, peace, patience, benignity, which means kindness towards others, goodness, longanimity, which means extraordinary patience under provocation or trial or long-suffering, mildness, faith, modesty, countenancy, chastity, 
against such there is no law. So, hey, go ahead. You know what? Um, I think I know Benignity, but they call him Benigno. That's ben- my, one Benigno. of my buddies. <laughs> that's one uh, of your that's buddies. That's his name, but they call him Benny. And he's, to point that and he's kind. Yeah, and he's kind. He's yeah, kind. he is. He really is. <laughs> Benignity. Yeah, I can't say these <laughs> words well. well. It's so hard. But there's there's one in particular, actually two, that I like to talk about the most. Mm-hmm. And joy and peace are the ones that I always point people to. Because they're, I think, more internal. I mean, all of these obviously are are matters of the soul. They're something you'll you'll feel on the inside. But joy and peace, really, when it comes to discernment, is this what God wants? Is this because this is the question we always ask: Is should I do this thing? Well, my question to you would be: Are you at peace? You know, right now. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, but. But like, if you if someone were to ask you, "Hey, so and so, will you do this thing for me?" What's your initial feeling, right? Is your initial feeling one of peace, joy, or is it apprehension? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I kind of know what that is. You I mean, yeah. Over doing the Knights of Columbus, it's kind of like, could you just answer yes or no if he could help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, things don't have to be so difficult, but I do think that if you feel real peace in your heart about something, that is the experience of God. Right. Right. This isn't complicated. This isn't a lightning strike to your face, right? That, hey, God's got to like talk to you, you know, in loud, thunderous words. No, it's how do you feel about this thing? Let God work through those feelings. But that doesn't necessarily mean that your feelings are God's voice. Right. <laughs> now. Right. I want to say now I'm at, I, I'm good with a lot of these deals here. Um, I still struggle with patience. Mm-hmm. Um, extraordinary patience. Probability. <laughs> also called suffering. Well, uh, Longanimity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like enduring part, a Knights of Columbus meeting. That's when I was growing up, you know? <laughs> yeah. So... I, I, if I went through something else, I think I'm pretty strong to go through something else again, but it's a hard thing to go through suffering, you know, uh, mildness, faith, modesty, continency, countenance. Oh yeah. That's another one. Self-restraint. Yeah. That's a hard one. Yeah. But all the rest, I mean, and it's not just simple self-restraint. Countenancy really does refer to like sexual self-restraint, mm-hmm. which could be really hard. So like you said at the other podcast, like watching football instead of doing something else you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. You can't keep yourself from watching football? Come on, really? Come on, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, now the question is, I think, is do you give God enough credit, right? And that is something, and I'll, I'll share, you know, with all of you listening, that when I was in seminary, uh, it was a really hard experience for me. And at one point, I went to counseling. And I I think any, I think it's great. I think you should go to counseling I mean, if life is fine, (laughs) you probably don't need it. But if you're going through something, go to counseling. Uh, I went through it. And what I learned really in the end, I learned two things. One, I didn't focus enough on who who I truly was, my identity, which was something we talked about first. And I think that's so important that we started our podcast talking about your identity because your identity is child of God, right? And I never gave myself that credit of, of being a child of God and then, or not enough. And then I, I also never gave God enough credit for all the things in my life. 
So experiencing God is not something that necessarily has to be over the top and a huge loud bang. Like I was saying earlier, it can be something very subtle and very simple, like discerning, you know, when asked to do something, am I at peace with this? When you're with somebody, is this is, is being with this person bringing me more joy or not? This is a really great topic. When I talk to the girls like that do their quinces, I talk to them about uh, dating at one point. And I tell them, I say, you know, what what's the goal of dating, right? Well, to get married, okay? And is being with this person, feel? does it feel like a chore all the time? Does it feel like you're just, you know, living to please this person? Or are you actually motivated and driven more and you have more energy to be with this person than you would anybody else. I mean, well, again, we, I talked about spirituality in the first episode is this energy and what you do with it. Well, if this person really drives you and has more energy than that, that might be God telling you something. Yeah. Right. That, Hey, like this is my voice telling you, Hey, this guy's a good, good fit for you. You know, you should, you should really consider marrying this person because if, if your experience of life in general, now there's going to be times that are not, not right. always that way, but is this way, then then perhaps uh, this is good. This is God's will for me in my life. So what about the big C word, charity? How do you feel on that? Charity. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for me, like I say, growing up, we were, we, we were poor. Mm-hmm. So people were always giving us and bringing us things. The big girls, what, is the, what, is it, what do they call that? Big Brothers of America. Uh, what is it called? It's a charity. Yeah, that something something like that. that. Yeah, Yeah, they would bring us Christmas. Um, We got a lot of uh, hand-me-down clothes um, from other families, of course. I always thought growing up, when I have the opportunity to do it, I'm going to do it. When I have the opportunity to help someone, I'm going to help them. So it's a big part of me now. I never used to spread it. I didn't have the uh, lung. No, no, what is it called? The... uh, Benignity in my heart. <laughs> ben, 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 the benignity. kindness towards others. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. like I said before, I, I was just in a different world. I was kind of like in a, I was trapped in a box. And I couldn't get out of that box. Mm-hmm. And then once I went to the retreat, it opened it up. Because I still want to do a whole lot. It doesn't have to be with the Knights of Columbus. I want to do a lot of stuff here at church. I want to do things just to help people. And I don't make a lot of money, but I still want to do it. Mm-hmm. There's other people that give you the opportunity to do it, and all of us working together, you know, that helps out. Now, a lot of people think charity is that word where you got to give money all the time. It's not. For me, it's not. You can give your time. You can give your heart to somebody. You can give them time to talk to you. There's a lot of different ways to look at charity. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, these fruits of the Holy Spirit – are kind of like dispositions of your heart and and someone who is charitable right is somebody who is willing to empty themselves Mm -hmm. right and no matter where you are financially you know you can always give now i'm not saying you're going to give money just like you're saying right Right. you can give your time talent and treasure which are the three t's we like to harp on you know right time talent and treasure what what do you have to give you might not have money but do you have a skill do you have exactly. hands? I mean, the other day we were uh, planting some plants, yeah, <laughs> shrubs, shrubs, yeah, <laughs> shrubs and rosary, rose, and roses, 
Rosaries, I don't know. <laughs> Knock out roses. Stuff that you put in the dirt. <laughs> we don't put rosaries in the dirt. Yeah. Okay, so we 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 gave of ourselves to do this thing because if you have hands, you can dig a hole. I mean, you know, this is it's a disposition of self gift. And so, the idea of being a charitable person again it just comes down to what am I doing with my time to really give of myself and. That way, my soul always turns outwards. Where's it turning towards? Turning toward it's turning towards God, right? If I'm teaching catechism class, I am acting as Christ, teaching about Jesus Christ to these children who are the face of Christ themselves, right? This is Christ teaching Christ to Christ, right? And and it, it, there's no there's no point of doing this if you're only doing it for yourself. Never met a catechist that was selfish in this regard. I mean, I don't I don't know what people get out of this <laughs> besides right. knowing that they're giving of themselves. And so I think that all these fruits of the spirit are ways again that we we experience God. And so with that said, you know, let's talk a little bit about one concept that's going to transition us to talking about the Trinity. It's something we'll bring up again because we'll have other topics in the future. In the future that that will certainly want to say, okay, well, you can wrestle with this, but that's fine. And this topic is called the hierarchy of truths. And what it means is, you know, if you're familiar with what a hierarchy is, basically that there's an order, right? There's a first order, second, third, fourth. And as you get closer to the first order of things, you're getting closer to the core of what these things represent or are, right? So for example, in the Catholic Church, there is a hierarchy, right? And it starts with the Pope on top, and then cardinals and bishops and priests and deacons and lay people, right? Well, who is the Pope but the vicar of Christ himself, right? And so all of this hierarchy is the body of Christ representing Christ on earth. And as you get closer to the highest order, uh, which is the Pope, then you're getting closer to the image of Christ himself, right? Through the Pope, who is his vicar, established by Jesus when he handed the keys to, right. to Peter way back when. That whole that whole business about the Pope will be a, a another episode, but I just want to explain that that's how a hierarchy works. Now, hierarchy of truths is a concept where what we believe to be true about our faith and immorality as well stems all from God at the core. So there's your highest order is God Himself, and and so what do we know to be true? Well, we know that there is a God. Through revelation, now we've, we've had revealed that there's this trinity in sacred scripture. We we learn uh, more about this God who got his attributes of God. We encounter Christ through scripture, but we also encounter Christ through the sacred tradition of the church through other people. And then the church also has other teachings, okay, that aren't as central to this core, that there is a God and God sent his son Jesus. And these teachings uh, include some of the teachings on Mary, right? Well, we know from Scripture that Mary exists, right? Right. We we know a lot of things, right? That she's the mother of Jesus and therefore the mother of God. Um, now, there's a teaching about Mary that is perfectly fine. It's considered a dogmatic truth. Again, dogma is a specific type of doctrine. It's a doctrine that's been um, announced by the church as this is the formulaic way of saying this, that right, this right. is true. And and one of those dogmas is based on her perpetual virginity, right? That she was virgin before, during, and after Christ, uh, the birth of Christ. Well, 
if you're sitting there struggling with that belief, right? Well, that's not core, right? That's not essential, if you will, to believing that God exists and that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save you. Right. Right. So if you're sitting there in an RCA class or in a Catholic scripture or whatever class, you know, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you encounter this truth of the church that she was virgin before, during, and after, and you're sitting there going, wait a minute, no way. Right. Wait a minute. Oh, put pump saying, the brakes. <laughs> you, you don't necessarily have to believe that too, but it's... I'm not saying you don't have to believe it. That don't get hear me wrong. Right. Right. The, it's true. Therefore, logically, if it's true, then you should believe it because it's true. But that one right? person can be thinking that way. Is what now, you're this one person, right? If they're struggling with it, because look, man, there's no way. The catechism I was telling you it'd take you like what ten years to read it if you read like one paragraph at a time. I'm gonna try that. I think it is. I think it takes that long. <laughs> but it. Um, but the thing is, <laughs> you know, if you're struggling with something, don't let that struggle, especially if it's kind of on the the outskirts of the hierarchy. Not the outskirts, but if it's on the on the fringe of the hierarchy, it's still part of truth. It's still true, but don't let that stop you from receiving and believing in the essential core truths that right. Jesus Christ is our savior, that he is the son of God, that God is a Trinity, that God is our life. Right. right. Um, so, so at some point I would hope that you come to believe that, but, but don't say, I don't believe this. Just say, I'm struggling with this. That's it's, a difference. It's kind of like somebody else believing that they don't really need to do communion and all that. Right. Cause yeah. they have the hang up that, Hey, that's not really, that's not really Jesus or right, the and, blood and of him. I would say that you know the the theology of the Eucharist is even more clear from sacred scripture alone than the perpetual virginity of Mary, exactly. right? So when you talk about things being in a hierarchy, well, what's closer to the truth? Well, the Eucharist, who we believe is the body, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. Himself, who of course is central and core to our faith, okay? And we can look at John 6, we can take that apart, we can yeah, tell you exactly. what, everything about it. But again, like, it's it's more essential, I, I would say, that you believe in the Eucharist than, than you're trying to wrap your head around the mm-hmm. perpetual virginity of Mary. Correct. So, okay, we've established this idea that there's a hierarchy of truth. So now when we're talking about Trinity, we're talking about something very core and, and central to our beliefs. So what I'd like to do now is actually read a little bit from St. Augustine, who lived around the year 400, um, and he wrote this, This he wrote a lot of, of wonderful books. You might be familiar with his confessions. Is this the one that's your favorite uh, saint? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a great story. Anyway, so um, St. Augustine, is he's one of my favorite saints, definitely up there, and he wrote this book called On Christian Doctrine, and there's a lot of great nuggets of wisdom and and on Christian doctrine, and in it he talks about how to read sacred scripture, and we're talking this is 1600 years ago, guys, <laughs> and uh, but also he talks about the Trinity. So I'll read a little bit from that, and then if we have time, probably a little bit of an excerpt from his work on the Trinity, which is gotcha, gotcha. perhaps more essential. So he says, it is not easy to find a name that will suitably express so great an excellence unless it is better to speak in this way. The Trinity, one God of whom all things, through whom are all things, in whom are all things. Thus the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
and each of these by himself is God, and at the same time they are all one God. And each of them by himself is complete substance, and yet they are all one substance. The Father is not the Son, nor the Holy Spirit. The Son is not the Father, nor the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father, nor the Son. But the Father is only Father, the Son is only Son, and the Holy Spirit is only the Holy Spirit. To all three belong the same eternity, the same unchangeableness, the same majesty, the same power. In the Father is unity, the Son, equality, and the Holy Spirit, the harmony of unity and equality. And these three attributes are all one because of the Father, all equal because of the Son, and all harmonious because of the Holy Spirit. Hmm, that's nice. And all he's saying is that God is three persons. Three all in one. And one God, right? right. And and this is the central truth of it, right? God is these three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, with one nature, that is God. Now, I'm going to break this down for us because... In, in the most simple of terms. And I got this from a wonderful book called St. Patrick's Summer. And it's a book for kindergartners. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, so if you can figure it out this way. <laughs> uh, the St. Patrick's Summer is written by a lady named Marigold Hunt. And it's basically about St. Patrick guiding these two children along the way. And it's basically a catechism for kids. Okay. And in it, St. Patrick describes God as... Three, who he is, and one, what he is. So if you say, well, who is God? What's your answer? Who is God? Three, who he is, right? Yeah, three, who he is. So he's, God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right. <laughs> right? That's who he is. So how should how would I need to answer that if somebody did? Right. Say, Father, and then, Son, Holy Spirit. Who is God? He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oh, I get it. So then See what I'm the saying? God is just the over... Right. Okay, okay. And what he is, is God. I, I gotcha. Right? So so if someone asks you who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what he is, God. Yeah. <laughs> so there's not a more excellent name. And that's what St. Augustine is saying. Nothing really describes God better than calling God a trinity. So anywho, he is three who he is and one what he is. Three persons whose only distinction really is in their relationship to each other. So the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. Uh, neither are the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is neither of them, but that is who they are. Now, there's no need for a fourth or fifth person. And let's talk about that because that is a question that comes up sometimes. Well, wait a minute. What Could there be a fourth? Could there be a fifth? No, everything is kind of perfectly fitting that there are three. It's kind of like the musketeer thing right what <laughs> three what do they what is that saying they say all, all for one and one for all, all. yeah but there's three of them and then they're just one they are they're one right you know body but then there's that fourth musketeer movie. yeah i know i know now my dad always calls me d'artagnan whenever i grow <laughs> out my mustache <laughs> so anyways i love my daddy um but uh let's talk a little bit about these arguments again for god and and uh but really for the trinity and this is how I like to explain it to people, that basically, let's take person number one, right. okay? We can call that person the father, right? Mm, fine. Let's say there's person number one. Well, again, thinking about God and who God is and what God knows, well, if God's knowledge, if God is perfection itself, right? The perfection of being, being itself, mm -hmm. right? Uh, then when God has a thought, 
right? That thought comes into existence, right? So the fact that you exist is because you're a thought in God's mind, right? Right. And so God is so powerful, right? He can think and therefore things exist. And then you will exist for all eternity in God's mind, along with every other created being, right? Right. And so now what if God has a thought about himself? Hmm. Does he? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, because he created the second, right? Well, not in time, though. Oh. Right? And so so remember, God's outside of time. So when we what we say in the creed is that the Father and the Son are eternal, right? Oh, Co-eternal yeah. mm-hmm. with the Father, mm-hmm. right? And so what happens is the, the Son is what we say is begotten, right? He's not created. Begotten. He's begotten because what that what that means is as soon as, well, and it, first off, it should be said, disclaimer, <laughs> <laughs> human words do not suffice to explain <laughs> <Gotcha>. this stuff. <laughs> but if we're, if we're thinking of God, the Father, and he has a thought in his head, that thing exists. If his thought is about himself, then that self is its own gotcha. self, fully, eternally existent, right, with the Father. So now you have the Son. Right. And if these two beings, spiritual beings, right, until Jesus, right, is a human in, in right. episode for another time. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Okay. But uh, um, think about that. So, okay, if God has a thought about himself, it's so perfect, it must be its own self. And so now you were dealing with two persons. But are these persons in relation to each other or are they separate? Well, obviously, they're in relation to each other. All right. And the question is then, how how do two beings have relation to each other? Okay. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Okay. So if there are two people in a room, right, mm-hmm. and and there's a relationship between them, meaning that, like, for example, you and I are both in this room, right? Right. I exist. You exist. Are, you're not the product of my thought. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, but... If we're living in relation to each other, then what we're constantly doing back and forth is thinking about, right, what do I need to do right now? What do I, what am I doing to essentially love this other person? Right. Okay, so we're working together on this podcast. This is a project. It's a project that stems out of charity, right? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I hope so. Benignity. <laughs> Benignity. <laughs> and, um, but, but there's a sense that, okay, there's a relation between the two of us. And it both requires us to give of ourselves. Right. Right. Again, that's the heart of charity. I got to give of myself. Now. Joy and peace. Joy and peace. Right. Well, what what if you're God and you're in relationship with your perfect thought of yourself, which is co-eternal with you? Is that relationship just sitting there doing nothing or is it giving of itself to itself? I would think giving of itself to itself. Right. And so what we always describe the Holy Spirit as is that relationship of love. Because love is the gift of self to the other. The begotten. Well, the part. From the father to the begotten and back, right? Okay. So so when when the father loves the son, he gives himself right. to the son, which is another self <laughs> I itself. Got I got you. <laughs> okay. And, and then so the son loves the father and gives himself to the father. But it's the same self being given back and forth. So the there's the Holy the Spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit. Ah, I got you. And that is why we call God love. Because the greatest gift of love is the gift of oneself. Right? Jesus says no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. All right. Right? So if if 
the father loves the son and the son loves the father. It's love itself that is the image of God that's being given. It's as a self, God himself, from the father and the son. Gotcha. Right. And so that's, of course, it's a lot easier to do this on chalk. Board. Like, <laughs> so if you're listening and you're just sitting there, you're like, I gotta take notes. <laughs> I understand. It's like tennis, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Right, but it's actually co-eternal and always right. happening, right? And so uh, they call this in theology spiration. Okay, not spiraling, but spiration. And and why? Because the word spirit, right, comes from that, oh, right? okay. or that comes from the word spirit. Well, to expire means to breathe out okay right so that the, your spirit leaves you breathe out right x out spires you know breath and spirit and so so anyways we have this unity between the father and the son and that unity is the holy spirit who is the gift of self between the father and the son therefore you have a perfect set of three mm-hmm. and there's really no need for a fourth right there's no there's no logical need for a fourth there's no revel- revelation of a fourth therefore we believe that God is a trinity, three persons with one nature. And you said earlier God. God is the three? How did you say how did you explain it to me earlier? Like like a kindergartner? Yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 that God is three who he is okay. and one what he is. Right. Okay. <laughs> and and so in that, there you have it. So God is three who he is, one what he is. But you know what? Now it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And then, of course, God so loves the world that he gives his only son, right? So how does he show love to you? He gives himself to you. To you. And he does that through Jesus Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. It makes... I want to see that book, the kindergarten book. The kindergarten Marigold book, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Summer, what is it called? Summer? Uh, St. Patrick's Summer. It's really a good book. I totally recommend it uh, for yourself as an adult. And also, if you have kids, it's something you can read to them. At night. So, um, you know what, Jose? Mm-hmm. Did we start this podcast with prayer? No. No, we did no, not. No. Second time, second time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but, you know, uh, with you explaining all this to me, I have a little more, like I say, I, I wasn't brought up learning any of this. All of this is all new to me. So, if you call me a kindergartner, that's fine. I, <laughs> I feel like it. So You know what? But I, I call on the adults that. Yeah. When, I, when they're in my room, like, all right, look, I'm going to just break this down like a kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, <I got> you. <laughs> and they love it. We all love it. But it helps. It's so helpful to think about God in those terms and, and give that language to your children. You know, he's, he's three who he is, one what he is, who is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What is God being itself? Right. right. He is God. How he reveals himself to Moses with his name, which I'm not going to say because out of respect for that name in um, the tradition. But it that name is it means, you know, I am. I right. Know. And and well, what is that being? You know, God is being itself. So we have that through revelation, but we can also reason that as we talked about in the last episode. But it's good that revelation makes it certain that this is who God is. So understood. Anyways. Uh, want to close us in prayer again? No, your turn. Okay, my turn. <laughs> All right, well, let us pray the prayer that God taught us, uh, Jesus right. taught us, right. uh, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. And let's just say a quick Hail Mary for 
uh, for everything we're trying to do here at St. John the Baptist and for any of you guys listening at home, trying to get through uh, whatever struggles you might have. This is this one's for you guys. So Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. God bless you guys.